Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Ball Island Podcast. It's me, Gates, with my co-host, Seathaw. What's good, people? And uh, maybe not as exciting as we were anticipating these NBA Finals, huh? Yeah, Game 3 last night was pretty exciting, though. The Cavs had it. I thought they were definitely going to pull it out. Looks like they would. And then uh, neither of our boys, LeBron James, just didn't have it in the end, which is a stat I saw on ESPN last night. You see this one with his going down the stretch, his his points per quarter. I did see this. It starts at, like, something incredible for first quarter – to second quarter in the first half he's averaging like 23 points a game something insane to dwindling down to the to the third where it's not so many and then the fourth where he's where he's not doing much his field goal attempts are down the percentages are way down he can say he's not tired as much as he wants but he's a completely different player in the first half of these games and the second half yeah i mean that's completely true and and the thing is while i'm definitely a lebron hater I can't get on him for that because he's playing almost every minute of these games. And if I'm going to be the one that's saying Steph Curry was hurt last year and it was obvious for that everyone could see it, and if you weren't able to see it, then you don't watch basketball. Then if you don't see that LeBron's legitimately tired and it's actually a legitimate excuse, then you're just crazy. So uh, I can't get get on him too much about that. Last night specifically, I mean... My whole detraction of LeBron over all the years goes back to this one thing where at the end of the game, for two straight years now, with the season on the line, the Cavs would rather have the ball in Kyrie's hands than LeBron's hands. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's true for sure. I'm not saying you can get on LeBron that much for it, but at the same time, it's like he's got to have that gas in the fourth. I know, it, it, I understand it's not, it, it's kind of, he has so much on him against this Warriors super team, like, it is almost impossible. Like, you saw it last night. Even Durant and Curry didn't really have the greatest of games, but then Klay Thompson was just going off, and he kind of saved them. Draymond kind of fills in, does everything, spaces it out, and then they fucking got Iguodala off the bench, who's better than, by far, any other Cavs player that they got on the bench. So, um, I mean, the role players came to play last night, but let's let's take a step back and go through to games one and two. Um, you know, it seems like the Cavs in both halves, because of LeBron's crazy performances where he was just taking it to the rack, driving at will, they had a chance. They were keeping it within striking distance first, second half. Then there was kind of just like a play or two where it was just like, all right, game over. I remember um, in, in game two, I believe it was, where LeBron had a bad turnover, went the other way for a Durant dunk, and it was just like snap of the fingers you know a, a three a two four point game turned into an eight point game and that's when the warriors get you you got to stay within striking distance and you can't give up those kinds of turnovers because then it's then it's game over they're too they're too good absolutely but even more than that it's okay maybe you could run with this warriors team for a couple quarters and, and that's what we saw in games one and two and even maybe for one full game like we saw in game three But if you're trying to do that over the course of a seven-game series, you literally have no chance at winning. And I wrote about this on Ball Island. And it's just Tyron Lue, I mean, at this point, like, they're sticking to your guns and saying, oh, this is how we play. Like, we're not going to change how we play. And then they're just being a fucking moron. Yeah. And that's what he's doing right now. I mean, you see everyone's getting on Tristan Thompson saying, oh, like, he's playing horribly, which he is. But you're not playing to any of his strengths. So you're basically neutering him by playing this up-and-down game that he has no business being on the court for, and now you're playing four-on-five and completely taking out a guy that has dominated this Warriors team over the last two years. So I understand that's what got you there. I understand you've had a lot of success in the other season, but all the great coaches in the playoffs are willing to make drastic adjustments. And Tyron Lewis just isn't willing to make that change. Yeah, I mean, what what I you know the reason I thought the Cavs were going to at least have a have a striking chance. You know, like I said, if I was flip of the coin, I slightly like the Cavs before the series, and obviously that obviously it's Warriors in, in sweep or five at this point. But you know, the Cavs could have had last night. I think either way, though, it's been proven that the Warriors are definitely the better team. But 
you know, what's so striking to me is the strengths that I thought the Cavs definitely had, like I thought without a doubt had, considering that this is the third time now they've played in the finals with very, very similar teams. Obviously, Durant makes it a completely different game. But I mean, either way, they've been very similarly structured. Both last 2015-2016, the Cavs dominated on the boards. And I thought that was going to be their major strength and something they could rely on here. I think a lot of it has to do with, like you said, the style of play, the pace of play. But I'm just going to go back to last year over a seven-game series, so it's a lot. But the Cavs out-rebounded the Warriors by about 30 rebounds over a seven-game stretch. Now, that might not sound like a ton divided by, but you know, divided by seven, you know, whatever, a few rebounds a game. But it's still an advantage, right? And I'm sure in some games, especially the games they won, that advantage was even a lot higher. Right now, the Cavs are getting out-rebounded by 10. And Tristan Thompson, I'll give you a couple stats. Last year, over seven-game series, averaged 10.3 points and 10.1 rebounds. This year, Tristan Thompson is averaging uh, 2.7 points and 3.7 rebounds. I mean, if that's not the difference, I don't know what is. Now, Kevin Love's averages have completely shifted where now he's averaging like 12, 13 rebounds a game. Last year, he only averaged like six and a half. So that's making up for, you know, some. But that's because Kevin Love's definitely a better player right now than he was a year ago. And that's a lot of what I said going into this series about why I like the Cavs' chances because Kevin Love was fitting in better. He was playing better. And Tristan Thompson, I thought, was the same player. So is it the style of play or is Tristan Thompson just a complete no-show? No, I absolutely think it's the style of play. You can't expect a guy to – that's not his game. His game isn't running up and down the court. So you're just not playing your player's strengths. And, and even, like you said, from how they were successful, not just last year but the year before too, against the Warriors, Tyron Lewis has no interest – in going that route just because, oh, we were successful this year playing this style, and that's it. That's the end-all, be-all. And it, it, it's baffling to me to, to watch that happen and to be so married to, to a certain style of play when it's clearly not working and to be so unflexible is just absolutely crazy to me. And that's why, in my opinion, Tristan hasn't done shit. And if you slow the game down, play more deliberate – had him really crash offensive glass every time a shot went up, and it was at the end of the shot clock, so he knew when it was coming. It came from certain areas of the court where he could more expect it. I think you see significant better play on the offensive glass, which takes possessions away from the Warriors. And that's when, you, when they have this much firepower. Like what you said, okay, Steph and, and KD maybe started off not so great last night, although Steph did pick it up first, then KD did, yeah. but Clay was hitting. When you have that much firepower, you got to limit the possessions as much as possible, and they're literally doing the opposite of that. I don't even think it's as much as limiting possessions. It's more so that you got to slow the game down because, because LeBron is exerting so much energy that, you know, it's so crazy. The second that the Cavs get a basket, especially Le- LeBron last night, right? He had so many layups. The second he gets a layup, the Cavs already, they inbound it and throw it down the court. The second they inbound it, now LeBron has no chance. He's got to sprint back. They're they're playing from behind, and it's almost like it's almost like it's worse that LeBron scored the layup because now they're screwed all the way in the back end, and the Warriors are on a fast break. So when they're, you know, obviously, you know, it... It, it, there's only so much you can do about that, but I feel like the Tyron Lewis has to have something in place to combat that because that's just become such a distinct advantage of the Warriors every single time they get a rebound or even especially on made baskets by LeBron and layups where they just grab the ball real quick, outlet, and they're gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know what else to say. It, even you saw in game three, so one and two, Clearly, they hung around for a little bit, then got blown out because you just can't play that up-and-down style against the Warriors, and, and it's shown for all the reasons we've laid out, which is numerous at this point. Yeah. And beyond that, okay, finally, they had a game where Kyrie and LeBron absolutely balled the fuck out, maybe the best game they've ever played together, and you still lose that game at home? It's true, but I, LeBron in the second half didn't like was pretty underwhelming. So when I say underwhelming, I mean, he had maybe somewhere between 11, 14 points, somewhere in that range. 
but his field goal percentage was like four for 12. He got, he got some of his points at the line and he missed a lot of huge baskets. There was one easy, easy layup at the rim that he just point blank missed. There's another one that was a more difficult layup where he was going reverse side, completely missed that, went off the backboard, came off. Yeah, bricked that one. Yeah, bricked that one. He had another fadeaway that, you know, you know, which I, I, you know, I understand he can make those, but at the end of the game, when you're, when you're not on, don't take that shot. He missed that one. That that one didn't really have a chance. I mean, he is down the stretch. The Cavs is in general, when they blew that game, went 0 for 11, but LeBron couldn't score. He made that pass to Corver, which, okay, I guess, but what the entire first half and the entire first halves of the first three games, he would take it to the rim, score at will, and he looks like the unstoppable force that everyone knows him to be. It's when he comes to this, okay, you know, I'm just going to try to make moves past other people, you know, make the right, you know, quote-unquote basketball play that he gets in trouble, especially at the end of games. And this is why, you know, when they come down to these conversations, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, whatever, I mean, you need to be able to create your own shot and hit a dagger at the end of games. And he's just proven time and time again he can't do that. I mean, I completely agree. That's always been my biggest criticism of of LeBron. I will, again, give him a little bit of credit here that just the fact that he is playing an insane amount of minutes. and, And more than the minutes, it's the pace of play, like we've talked about, where... The scoring and possessions in these finals are some of the highest I can remember in in an NBA playoff series. It's like for the for the people who watched NBA back in the day, it's like that where the scores were in the one thirties and stuff that we haven't seen in forty years. No, and I know he's playing the same minutes, but just looking at it right now, but I'm saying not the minutes. It's it's even more than the minutes. Pace of play is, even, pace, is twice as important. Right? Than the minutes. No, but I'm saying pace of play is the same for everyone in the game, right? No, it, how is it different for LeBron than Kyrie or Durant? Because Durant, Durant and Steph were sitting significantly more. There were three separate so, occasions where Durant and Curry sat together and at huge junctions of, of the game, specifically the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, which is huge. Like You can't say that's, that that makes such a big difference for you to catch your breath there. And even if it only says, oh, LeBron only played five more minutes than KD and Curry, that right there is just a massive difference that you can't undersell. So on on average throughout the series, though, he's only averaging two more minutes played per game than KD. He's also sat the last six minutes of game one and two. I mean... No, it's, so it's so not. So dude, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's just, it's not even... If you're, I understand if you're watching, he's playing a ton of minutes, but no, I feel you're, like so is everyone. Nah, the Warriors guys, because of... I, I, I specifically remember three times last night where I'm like, wow, Curry and Durant are both out at the same time right now. The no, Cavs can I, I never do, afford do to do that. that ever. I said the same thing, and I thought it was insane of Steve Kerr to do that. Obviously, it worked out. Uh, I don't know why you would ever sit both at the same time. But yeah, I mean, it did work out. And no, I, I do agree. There was that one stretch when LeBron came out, and it was a quick like 10-0 run for... For the Warriors, the and I'm not, quarter, yeah. yeah, and I'm not discrediting, you know, the bulk of what LeBron does. I think he's been absolutely amazing. I think he's still the best player in the world. I think he's proved it throughout this series. I mean, Durant and Curry, they have so much help by playing with each other. Kyrie was unbelievable last night, oh, um, yeah. but I mean, Kevin Love, you know, he he's been very admirable in how he's been playing, but he's not really to the level of a of a Clay Thompson or even really a Draymond Green. No, he's not, and and it's uh, it's. He had, a, I thought, was one of the best players in Game 1 and 2. In Game 3, his shot wasn't there, but he still, he played re- really still well. rebounded like a beast. He had six steals. He played really well. Yeah, so, I mean, to blame Love isn't really fair here either. Uh, really, for me, I mean, let's be fair. It was going to be extremely hard to co- even compete with this Warriors team one way or the other. But I keep coming back to Tyron Lue. And beyond the pace of play, I, in my opinion... The reason that they play so fast is because the dude doesn't know how to drop an offense. And you saw that at the end of the game, and in the last few minutes, you said they went 0 for 11. It's because the game slowed down, and they have, they have nothing to fucking do. It's okay, LeBron and Kyrie, break down your man, and then either take it yourself or dish it. And that's their entire offense. With the season on the line, Lou goes, hey, Kyrie, take the ball, dribble a lot, and then fade away and, and have everyone else fucking watch. Yeah, I man, I, I don't think he exactly told Kyrie to do that fadeaway. But Not yeah, the fadeaway, but it was basically go ISO and figure yeah. it out yourself. Like, Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich were fucking having heart attacks watching that. No, I mean, the, the Cavs are definitely getting severely outcoached. And, I mean, that plays to the facts that 
even though, you know, the Golden State is the better team, like I mentioned before this series, I thought Cleveland had a lot of favorable matchups and posed, posed matchup threats for Golden State. I mean, look at who Golden State's running out there. They don't have Bogut like they've had in the last couple of years. And Bogut played in the first couple games of the series in 2016 last year when they won the first couple games. And then he got injured and it dramatically changed the series. And that's when Tristan Thompson started dominating. And that's when they had that huge rebounding advantage. This year, Zaza Pachulia has been a joke. I mean, JaVale McGee's been not that great either. So, you know, you would you would think that up front, at least, the Cavs would have that distinct advantage. And, you know, like these like what we've been saying, Tyron Lue just hasn't figured out a way to to exploit the types of advantages that I feel like the Cavs should have. Well, you know, like even last year, I thought Golden State was a better team, but the Cavs were able to muck it up and they were able to play their style and change the way it was played so that they won those games. So, like, even if Golden State had the flashy blowouts, like they had, you know, last they had the first two games in this series, they had the same thing last year in the first two games last year, Cleveland ended up winning, you know, the close games because of the, because of the types of things I'm talking about. And especially like the role players stepping up, which some did last night. And I mean, they should have won the game last night. They well, they should have won. You do not agree they should have won last night? I only say no because of the way they played. And and you look at at kind of how well they kept up and and a lot of things they did well. But every time in the game, I feel almost everyone watching was like, "Wow, the Warriors are up seven right now," or "Wow, the Warriors are only down four right now." Like when it was late in the game. And that's because of in, in the style of play that, that they're trying to emulate and trying to beat the Warriors at their own game. And when you talk about the matchups, that's why they can't take advantage of it because especially when you play fast and you shoot a lot of threes, which is the, the Cavs are also trying to be the better three-point shooting team, which they clearly aren't. And when you shoot a lot of threes, you get long rebounds. And long rebounds isn't good for your size advantage. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're necessarily trying to be the best three-point shooting team. It's more, and they're shooting it's, almost as many threes. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a style of play of the NBA nowadays, right? The Cavs do have a lot of really good three-point shooters. It doesn't matter. You should, You can't be doing it. It's negating all your advantages and playing to the Warriors' strengths. So I don't care what kind of three-point shooters you have. you got to adapt to the, to the team you're playing, and they're not adapting. Uh, so if it worked against the Raptors, great. Kyle Korver, great against the Raptors. Whatever. It's not that we're playing the Warriors. Yeah, now. but they LeBron and Kyrie both took it to the basket almost as much as you could possibly ask from them. I mean, I that's why that was one of my main problems with the Kyrie play at the but, end. No, but that, they took it. They took it to the basket in in transition opportunities when there's not that many bodies there. So if they miss, then then it's a fast break the other way. And if and also when they miss. Thompson and Love aren't in great position to get the offensive rebound. Yeah, but, I mean, in terms of their layups at the basket, Kyrie made every single one. Last night, yeah. I'm talking about last night, yeah. LeBron LeBron made almost every single one besides the two I mentioned. So, you know, I mean, you got to make... I don't care if you're in transition. You got you to gotta do the layup if it's there. I completely and, disagree. You don't think that you should go and take a layup if no, it's there? No, you deliberately have to slow down the, the game against this team, and if you don't do it, you're going to get swept. I mean, last night uh, they had they had it in their hands, and those two At guys no point went off. Did they re- I mean, they, they were, were up seven in the fourth quarter. That, that does, that's not having it in your hands. That is not having it in your hands by Kevin, any way, shape, or Kevin form. Kevin Love had a point blank layup at the rim that just that he just point blank missed at the end of the game that LeBron fed to him. LeBron also missed a point blank layup, especially the Kevin Love layup. There was two and a half minutes left. He makes that layup, and the game's over. They were up. They would have been up like nine at that point. They, they completely blew it at the end. They should have had the game in hands. So I, Golden State stole that one. So, it's you know, they, they played amazing. They hit those threes at the end. Durant's, Durant's three, I mean, LeBron's got to get up on that, especially when you're up two. You can't let them, you can't let him take and hit that three at the end in your face. So LeBron has a lot of blame to go around, as amazing as he is. Like, in the fourth quarter, he didn't make a lot of the plays that count, especially on defense with those plays against Durant. There's the other Durant three where he didn't get he didn't get in front of the screen in the fourth quarter that Durant, yeah. Durant just popped up again. So those were big plays that LeBron didn't get through. So I I understand what you're saying. I do I've agreed that Golden State is a better team, but the Cavs should have won last night. I mean they they had it in their hands and they they kind of blew it. It was it, in 
my view is a very much a 50-50 game. Easily could have gone either way. And it really it shouldn't have ever come down to that. It, I mean, it, it, was, it was kind of 50-50 until, until the Cavs went on their run. And then they really had the lead, though, for the entire second half once they did that. They, you know, it was it was but going back and forth a bit. Always very much in striking distance. No, of course they, they never were. they never no, they, trailed by double digits. No, they definitely were. It was more the fact that they were able to they were able to hold them off, and then they had them, you know, like I mentioned, with two and a half minutes left. Kevin Love hits a point blank layup when LeBron gave it to him, and, and that's game over. Also, when Jr. hit that three to go up six and started celebrating with three minutes left, I knew <laughs> I had a feeling the Cavs might be in trouble because. Yeah. God, that guy is just absolute clown. He did show up last night, but yeah. he's blowing smoke off his fingers. How about like his, the game's over? How about his NBA Jam like play where he just sprints to the quarter, quarter and just chucks and it just, up? Like, like, what are you I, doing? I understand that's like probably a Jr. shot, but it's still just so ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? Like, why? He, and he misses. I'd, rather, I'd rather have Kyrie do that. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, the Cavs again. You know, this is going back to why I, I'm not saying they blew it because you know it's not like a three point shot it should should definitely go in, but. But, you know, when they needed to hit those shots, Jr. missed that corner shot. Corver, Corver missed the big three pointer that I mean, went past. Even, so. even I, like you said before, I understand it's the right quote unquote basketball play. Yeah, that's bullshit, man. LeBron, just take that up. Yeah, go you're gonna, to you're gonna get. Well, he was already at the basket when he kicked it. He was maybe five feet from the basket when he kicked it at Corver. Well, you're gonna get hacked. Plus the way they were it, calling the game last night. Exactly the way they were calling the game. They, they were, wanted the Cavs to win. Well, yeah, I mean the Cavs were definitely getting the benefit of the calls, and they were and they were calling a lot of fouls in general. Yep. So I mean that's that all of that plays LeBron's strength, where you kind of just drive to the rim. If it ends up being ugly and they don't call the foul, so be it. At least you went, you know, it's almost like... At he's least it ended with it in your hands. He's almost afraid to have that kind of play, I feel like, where he doesn't want to go and get stuffed or, like, be embarrassed. And the blame comes to him. Right. Whereas like, now he can actually say, oh, yeah, I, I made the right play, exactly. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's just so different than every other All-Star. And you got to give credit to Durant as much as I hate him. You know, to, to pull up and hit that three took some balls, and, and he did it. I mean... Yeah, and, and he was actually kind of disappearing in the second half last night, which yeah. I'm sure you were liking for a while. And then you got to give him all the credit in the world for that fourth quarter. I think he had, what, seven straight points to close out before Curry's two foul shots at the end. Well, so He had the two threes. I don't no, know. no, he had the... He had the down 113-109. He had the little uh, thing over play. Tristan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had the three after that, and then he made two free throws after that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, lastly, uh, what I'm just going to touch on for the Cavs, I thought they had some defensive stoppers as well. Not stoppers, but guys that could throw. Iman Shumper is almost the difference in this series with how bad he's played. I mean, I've said, for, I've said for years he's the most overrated player in the league. I mean, at this point, though, the shot, like, I don't know why he's even shooting on offense. He's, Ever. He's 0 for a million. He's taking long, long twos. <laughs> like, every three he takes. He took a big three towards the end of the game that just, like, and it's like, it looks like it could be going in, but you just know it's not going in. Like, it hits front rim, but it, in act, all actuality, he has no fucking chance. And every time he shoots, it's literally just a layup for Golden State. Yeah. Because it's a long rebound. That usually, that's how Curry has double-digit rebounds back to that games because Schumper's just clanking everywhere and leading Curry to get at the three-point line, kick it out, or bring it up himself and hit a 30-footer. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty disappointing because, like I said, you know, if the you know the, if the Cavs win last night, we got ourselves somewhat at least it's interesting. It makes I mean, it interesting. I, I still would think the Warriors would, would go on to win pretty easily based yeah, on what we've seen. I agree. But at least it's interesting. At least we have one more day of interesting basketball where we've just had nothing this year. Yeah. And moving forward, I mean, a lot of people are really bummed right now because it looks like there's no end in sight for, for this Warriors juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it, it it's kind of sad because, like, all the stuff we've been talking about with the coaching, like, let's say Greg Popovich is coaching the Cavs instead of Tyron Lue. Different series. Like, this is a really great series. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So it's, like, the fact that they've, and, you know, I've been talking about it with some people as well, just, like, how was Tyron Lue even the fucking coach? It's a joke. Like, he, he took over last year, they won, but what pedigree does he have to be this coach? Like, you know they got rid of David Blatt, fine, but it's it's just so frustrating because LeBron takes over to a fault. You know, in a lot of areas. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, look at Shumper getting forty million. You look at Tristan Thompson getting eighty million, and it's because LeBron was basically like, "Yo, I want these guys on my team," and he yeah. doesn't understand the cap situation where if you sign those guys, then you can't go out and get a playmaker later later on 
once once the team's set. So I mean, I agree. Le- like LeBron, the GM, kind of kind of fucked over that franchise. He did it when he was in Cleveland in his first stint in Miami. He had Pat Riley who was more able to say, shut the fuck up, I'm yeah. going to do what I do. Yeah. And in Cleveland, there's no one like that to, to tell him to sit down and play basketball and, and not get into the front office stuff. Yeah, so let's let's kind of pivot now that, I mean, the series is basically over. Do you think, the, well, let's just quickly, do you think the Cavs win a game or not? At this point, I, I don't see how they come back from that gut punch of, of game three. Yeah. I'm going to be really interested interested to see if they just roll over. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a pretty big indictment on LeBron yeah. if they just lose by, like, 30 in game four. Yeah. That's pretty pathetic. Yeah. I mean, even though the series is over, you would at least like to see some fight. Yeah. So uh, I'm definitely going to be watching out for that, but it's – it's, I. at this point, you got to say Warriors in four. Yeah. I don't, I don't think – you know, no matter how much – the Cavs can try to get up for this. I, I just think that, especially, it's more so because of the way they blew it last yep. night. Yep. That I, I don't see how they're going to get up for this game. They're, it seems like they're almost resigned to the fact that it's over. And you have to think that now the Warriors, they they have history in their sights, sixteen and zero. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's the only thing that maybe Cavs get out up for. One, they're home. They say, okay, let's do it for our fans. Two, let's try to spoil this 16-0, but that's not really enough of a motivation to really get it up. No, if anything, I think it's that Golden State wants to say, we're going to make a statement, we're going to prove to everyone that last year we should have actually won. It was a fluke. If Draymond doesn't get injured, we're we're three-peat champions. And it gets everyone obviously talking about them as one of the greatest teams of all time if they're able to accomplish this. Yeah, if they go and and basically it kind of they have the asterisks on the seventy three win season. Yeah. Now they can go back and say, "Fuck you, we we went sixteen in the playoffs." And either way, that this three this three year run is one of the greatest runs of all time. Yeah, with with no end in sight, sadly. No end in sight at all. I mean, you know, their oldest player is Durant. I mean, right? maybe they have a tough time resigning Clay in two years, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, either way, though, he's still he's. You can always resign your own guys, right? I mean, yeah, but they're saying the luxury tax tax would be some insane number that yeah. isn't even justifiable. Either way, we'll it's it, it's in two more years, right? No, so, no, no. It's the year. It's next you, off season. Okay, so yeah. all right. Well, I mean. There's no way I don't think anyone's going to, you know, compete, really, because the Warriors are just going to get better, I think. I mean, with another year of playing together, with all this confidence, now that they're now going to have after yeah. this run, I, mean, I don't, even I don't if they, see an end in sight. Yeah, even if they lose a Godala, that's like the, the loss of that versus the amount they're going to gain from just getting used to each other, I yeah. think probably offsets each other, if not more makes them even better. And and just the confidence from having won, you know, with Durant and, you know, this whole team having won a, a championship the way they have. Yeah. You know, all of that together, it, it's going to be wild. Um, and, and the one thing other to say is Draymond's not even having a good series. No, he's, he's really not. a pretty shitty series. No, he has. He's, he's, <laughs> he had that technical. Yeah. He's, he's been, you know, he, he hasn't been mentally there. He he hasn't really scored at all. No. Uh, I mean, defensively, I'm sure he's been playing pretty well. Yeah, but, I mean, you saw with Love last night struggling, but Love had a decent first couple of games, so... Yeah, and I mean, Love also had a lot of open shots yesterday, three-pointers. Yeah, he's missed the time. Yeah, he was just missing. Yeah. And, you know, again, though, I, you know, I, I got to commend him on the rebounding efforts, because for the most part... He I mean, they had that job. one possession where they, he had three offensive rebounds in one possession, and they failed yeah. to score. That was actually a huge... It's only in the third quarter, but that yeah. was a big deal. Well, so, and, and well the that, Cavs, those are the kind of possessions I thought I was going to see a lot more of in this series. Yeah. With Tristan Thompson, because that's what Tristan Thompson was doing the last two years. Yeah. So, you know, that's where I was like, where has that been? I thought that's why they're going to have a decent shot to win because it's also so – those kinds of possessions are so deflating. When you just – when you're playing great defense, then the offense gets it back again and, and again. again. Yeah. And you're using so much energy. Then they score on the third time. It's just so deflating. Plus there are some fouls in there in those possessions. Those are the ones that are almost worth like five or six points. Yeah. So – you know, that, that's why I thought they'd have a chance, but, the, you know, those possessions were few and far between. I guess switching gears a little bit, does this affect LeBron's legacy at all in your eyes? If so, how? No, I mean, it, it does a little bit. I mean, just because of the fact, I don't really think it takes him down all that much. I just think he could have reached another level, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you won this series, I think co- real conversations start. About Jordan, right? And he's he's pretty much definitely top three. 
Yeah, I mean, if he oh, if he yeah, were to win the series, definitely top three without a question. Yeah, if he wins the series, which he's now not. No, but right now I'd say he's borderline top five. Yeah, and I think it's just a lot of the fatal flaws that have plagued him, and people have you know criticized him for have been exposed in this series as yeah. well as he's played. He's always going to have the great stat lines. Always, but that's you know, why, that's why whenever when all his fans always come back and say, "Oh yeah, but he had a triple double," I'm like, "Yeah," but it's not about that with him. Like right. the great player is always going to put up insane numbers when you're getting to that best players in the history of the game conversation and you have to nitpick you have to nitpick and also the fourth quarter is the most important it's not just like a it's not just like a you know nitpick (laughs) no but it's not just like a you know journalist thing or just like a thing people like to say you know it's actually true like especially in basketball when they're playing a lot of the times it, it becomes just like a tie game or like within a few points and it's really like who's gonna make those plays at the end and, you know, not that LeBron's necessarily choked, but he's proven he can't hit those dagger shots. He's not he's not the greatest shooter in the world. And, you know, his style of play, he hasn't figured out like a go-to move at the end of the game where he can score and get buckets on his own. Yeah, it's more his go-to move is really head down, charge to the rim. And yeah. That's about it. Right. I mean, which obviously is one of the best moves of all time. It usually works. Yeah. But... but at the end of the game, especially when he's gassed, you know, when, when they try to throw a couple guys at him, and it just it's not working yeah and you know that i think that that and some of his he's obviously a great defensive player but he had a couple lapses in this series especially last night that are unforgivable at the end those that lapse at the end to let durant have a clean look at that three is unforgivable I mean, if he gets by you, whatever, they get a two. And, and, it's still a tie game. And it was the type of thing you even... You can't s- give up a three there. The type of thing was that you even... You saw it unfolding three seconds before it happened. Yeah. We were like, LeBron's on his heels, and Durant's about to pull... Or if Durant's smart, he's about to pull up for three right here. Yeah. And you kind of saw it unfolding. And that kind of leads me to a, to a different point, just real quick. It pissed me off to no end when defenders guard LeBron, like, five feet off the three-point line, and he, as he's charging in... You're like, yo, he's gonna get to the hoop. Like, right. why don't like Iguodala? So I picked him up at like the elbow, and LeBron had a full head of steam already. It's like, like why? you have no chance now. You have no chance now. At least pick him up at the three point line. If he yeah. blows by you, then there's someone behind you, and he has yeah. to like kick it or something. Yeah, or you you got to stop his momentum exactly and then, and then as early can, as possible. And then you can lay back. Yeah, afterwards. as early as possible. And then you can make him shoot. But when he has a full head of steam and you're at the elbow, it's yeah. like, dude, you're done. Yeah, but I mean, do you agree in terms of just the stuff I was saying on on the legacy front? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some people say, like, a sweep hurts his legacy. I don't really feel that. No. I uh, think it's pretty obvious that he has not nearly the talent around him that the Warriors do. Yeah, exactly. So so you you can't just look at it so binary like that. You, yeah. you got to take the context in it, which is this Warriors team is going to be probably an all-time great team. Yeah. So... I don't I don't really hold that against him as much as some other people are saying. Yeah, and one of the things that I've kind of come around a little bit, not, not you know, I still think it was the biggest bitch move of all time for Durant to go to the Golden State Warriors, like, more so than LeBron, more so than anything. Yeah. But I do have to say that I, I understand in the slightest the fact that he's like, listen, LeBron's the one who made his bed by doing it. He started this whole thing. So, so it's like... You know, and now it's it's kind of funny. I feel like it's it's almost like LeBron deserves this, and what's he going to complain about? Because he's the one who started this whole trend of players creating super teams and teaming up. So it's like, oh, they created a better one. <laughs> I mean, it was your idea in the first place to do all this. And the other thing I was just kind of thinking about is he's been to all these finals, but he easily could just have one championship. And be like one, and be like one in seven in the finals. He probably like should be. Should be pretty much. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for a couple like a miracle and the Draymond suspension, he's and even maybe the Bogut injury last year, combination of all those things, he's very close to being one in seven in the finals. So which looks way different. Yeah. In, in his legacy. Yeah. I mean, so I think, and the other the other point I have about the Durant thing, I hundred percent agree with what you said. And it really is a frustrating thing. On a different note than than what you said of why I understand it is, for me, it's tough. It was tough for him, or I could understand leaving the Thunder, seeing that they traded away James Harden. And it's like, yo, fuck, like, we could have had the three three of the five best players in the league and you just traded him away for nothing? Like, yeah. how am I going to trust this front office going forward? And maybe he didn't have to sign with the Warriors. He could have signed with someone else. 
that's that's a discussion for another day. But I, I do understand leaving the Thunder and also understand that maybe while Russ is spectacular, he might not be the easiest guy to play with. Yeah, I mean, I understand those things, but they weren't going to, they definitely didn't work in a trade to Rand. When they traded Harden, you know. No, no, I, I don't mean in that sense. I mean in the sense that you're not evaluating talent properly right, if you make right. that trade. Okay, or, or, or not even that, if that money is more of a factor than winning for you, which is what, a, which is the main reason for the impetus for the trade yeah. was that the, the owner didn't want to play the luxury tax. Right. No, I, and I that's, that. that's a, who, who wants to play for a team that's not willing to go into the tax to, to be great. Yeah. Now, I understand all that. So now I think the interesting thing is just to talk about the off season. Let's, let's shift gears. Kevin Love, is he getting traded? Because it seems like the Cavs can't run back. Just looking at the talent disparity and the way the Styles played, knowing Golden State's coming back with this same team, the Cavs can't just run it back. They have to make a drastic change. And it's who else is it going to be besides Kevin Love? Yeah. Right? I think they have to trade Love. Or I don't necessarily know that they have to, but... I, I mean, I don't see that, any other way. That's the most likely, but even still. So let's say... They make a really risky move and, and, and figure out a trade for love for Paul George, and there's probably other pieces in there, but that's that's the main thing. And one, George's going to be a free agent after that year, so it's extremely risky. And two, does that really get them to the Warriors' level? I don't really think it does. So if it doesn't get them to the Warriors' level, what, what kind of moves do they make besides the Paul George? Is there anything out there that they can do? I mean, I think Paul George is definitely a better fit with LeBron than, you know, I mean, I think the, the core of those three and maybe they make some other moves. You, you don't think that helps them improve, gives them a huge defensive weapon against some of those guys that the Warriors have. I mean, I, I think, I think it, it definitely, it definitely makes things pretty interesting if they can make some other offseason moves. No, it makes it more interesting. They would definitely have to balance it with other moves and, and primarily would be, figure out ways to really dump some of the salary to maybe give them the ability to sign some people. So specifically dumping a Shumpert to anyone that'll take him, dumping a Tristan Thompson to anyone that'll take him, which I think there are the, you could get takers for both of those. Yeah. Um, and, and that would maybe, and those two we've seen in the series have been completely irrelevant. So maybe that opens up some cap space where you can actually go out and, and sign someone, but it's looking pretty bleak. The the other it's thing, it's tough to say it's looking bleak though. When I mean they, they're it's like I mean they're almost there. They just won last year. Like they're not. It's not like they're that yeah, far but no, away. They have you, you, they have LeBron. They have Kyrie. They they have the peace and love. Like I understand that the cap situation is very tough. Well, not not just that. It's you said they won last year, but then the Warriors added Durant. So it, right. it's almost to me you can't even bring that into the equation as saying you're almost there. But I mean, they they are they're close, right? I, I get are I, they? They're gonna yes. they're about to get swept. Like I like I said, if they had a real, you even admitted if they had if they had Greg Popovich, this would be a really good series. You agree? But they you? don't. <laughs> okay. No co- the coaches like that are few and far between. They're not just going to get one in the offseason. Understood. But the fact that 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 they're that close in terms of if they had one coach like that, that could make a change. If they if they have if they change around their talent. Maybe there's a possibility they get rid of Ty Lue at some point. They get a different coach. That's always that's always out there. But I'm thinking if they get Paul George and they try, what I think they need to do is morph into more of a defensive team, where they get get rid of Shumpert because I mean he's just not he's not good enough. I just say try to get like a Tony Allen, try to get someone like that. Mm-hmm. Get some guys where all right that like, knows their role, know yeah. their role more. And it's like and but the, you know you can actually stick him on. I mean, you, you stick him on a curry for a series, that's going to change things a lot. Yeah. Right? So, like, and, and I think he's gettable, someone like that. Like, I mean, he is, like, one of the premier defenders in the league, but, you know, I mean, he, he's a gettable guy. So making some smarter moves like that where you have a defensive-minded focus, I, I think you have to, if you're the Cavs, you have to just think, one-minded, how do we beat the Warriors? Because we'll, we'll get through everyone else in the East. Like, we can't be, we can't really be concerned with not getting to the finals, like it's been easy enough. Like LeBron's done it so many years in a row that you know who's really yeah sure. There's up and coming teams, but you got to really just think how do we how do we take down the Warriors? I think that's it. You got to try to become a different style team that's going to throw them off. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And there's, there's kind of some other targets. And I was thinking, as you said that, maybe there's some type of three-way trade they could work out with. Uh, I know Boston was, was heavily interested in love at the deadline. So maybe you could, you could work out a three-way where they pick up Paul George and Avery Bradley and Indiana get some of uh, Boston, uh, uh, Jalen Brown and, and, uh, and a future first. Maybe Boston's giving up too much in that scenario. But something but, but, nice. but that, that's at least something where yeah. you, you can get a couple players maybe just for, for love and, and uh, draft pick, even though they've traded a lot of their future ones. Uh, actually, if I'm, if I'm another team, like <laughs> let's say the Knicks, for instance, yeah. I try to get that Cleveland like 2021 pick because they might be shitty by then. Yeah. I mean, if they're willing to give it up, um, I, I actually heard on, on a podcast today that, you know, the, the Cavs GM has already resigned to the fact that there's a there's a real possibility that, you know, this core three could be done by, you know, by after next year. That if they give LeBron, if LeBron gets one more go and realizes, you know, like you've been saying, that there's not much they can do here with this core, that LeBron could leave again. And he Jesus. and the Cavs GM has that in mind, saying, "Listen, we're you know we're we're top ten protecting some of these picks just in case you know 2019 we're really shitty and all these guys are gone." Yeah, it would. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. It'd be tough to to see LeBron leaving again. But, I don't think he does. But at this but point, he really might. I don't think he does because Kyrie is a top ten player in the NBA. It's tough to leave him. To leave him in Cleveland. When you know you have, you know they have the, the front office wants to do everything you want to do. And, and where are you really going? That's that's yeah. really going to beat the yeah. The Warriors. You know they they were suggesting maybe the Lakers if Paul George gets there. But it, but like you were saying, all right, let's bring Paul George to Cleveland. I think they they have enough assets and, and ways to go in Cleveland. Although they have harnessed themselves with the cap, but they have enough ways to go where I I see I see him staying. But you never know, with LeBron. Yeah, the the Cavs GM is also being courted by a few other teams, so that'll be interesting to see if he moves and then kind of what the power vacuum is in Cleveland. But uh, they'll they'll definitely be. I think them in Boston will be the two most interesting teams to watch in the off season. Yeah, but I, I really do like the Paul George uh, dynamic for the Cavs. I think he he helps them out a lot there. I think he he would fit in pretty well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Another possibility might be. Somehow, if you can keep love and manage to pick up a Carmelo, it's it's somewhat interesting. Just just that scoring piece. I mean, that defense is probably pretty rough. Yeah, and probably I mean, doesn't get you there, but it, it does make it interesting. And you gotta think if there's seven games, you're like, Melo got play defense for seven, that he's gonna turn it up. Yeah, I don't think Melo is the way to go. Honestly, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but in terms of how much she's I'm, I'm just the time, I'm just saying in terms of someone who's gettable without maybe giving up a love if you're yeah. maybe interested in going that route or you're just trying to add a weapon in addition to the three you have because yeah. if they're able to do that without sacrificing much that, that does make things interesting but you know Melo's not going to want to come off the bench which is the only realistic scenario where I see it even working out you think he's going to start on the Cavs team I mean if he's starting their defense is going to be atrocious yeah I mean I, I still think it when it comes down to a seven-game series, they can pick it up more. Yeah. But, yeah, for, for the most I mean, but that's the thing. They're still going to walk to the finals regardless. Right. So that, that's where I don't think it, it hurts them that much. And, and, if, if, well, in that scenario, and if, if you want to run with the Warriors anyway, then right. at well, least let's add more scoring. Well, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say. So in that scenario, you're, you're, going, you're going for an offense scenario where I, I think you go defense. And I agree. Yeah, the, the better way is to go defense, but they seem pretty pot committed to this offensive well, they're not. Pot, they're not pot committed. I'm because, saying in terms of their strategy, or, yeah. or or in terms of their reluctance to to change. And that's why it's interesting with the Tristan Thompson thing, where they're paying him so much money, and especially in this series, he's being so underutilized. I mean, like I mentioned, he's averaging two points, three rebounds. You're paying him ninety million dollars. What are they paying him? Yeah, so it's like, mil. so it's like, what are you doing? Like you, I mean, if you're gonna pay this guy that much, at least use him in the correct fashion, or they got to get rid of him. But. You know, him and LeBron have the same agent. You know, LeBron is blah, 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 whatever, you know, how, how he does things. Yeah, with, with Rich Paul and, yeah. and Phil Jackson on trouble saying he has a posse and stuff, but he, he really does, and his posse yeah. rules things. So yeah. uh, that's that. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the drafts coming up. That's exciting. Yeah. We'll have a separate segment for that. I, we're not going to dive nah. into it right now, but uh, that, that'll probably be coming out you next week because we're only two weeks away. Yeah. 
No, we'll, we'll get a lot into that. Quickly, we'll touch on a little bit of baseball. Yankees still flying hot. Astros been playing out of their goddamn minds. My yeah. boy Charlie Hustles still been hot as hell. One of the best players in baseball. What do you got? I think the Astros only lost like one game since we last did this podcast two weeks ago. So yeah, that, that shows you how how well they've been playing and uh, really they're, they're putting up historic like, pace. Yeah, they're putting up just like seven runs a game every game. And yeah, they, the, the the one game they lost, they were up seven one in that game too. Yeah, and the Royals came back and beat them. So and they have two of the best pitchers in baseball in Keicho and and McCullers. Um, you know, like we've been talking about, who are both vying for the Cy Young. So when you have those two guys leading the rotation and you have the best offense in baseball. It's a pretty good recipe. So, you know, in baseball, we see these things where a lot of times these kind of teams cool off. So I don't know if it's going to it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep this pace up heading into October. It's a long ways away. Yeah. But I mean, right now they, they look pretty unbelievable. Definitely. Yeah. They're they're one of the stories that the NL West is still keeping very much one of the maybe the best division in baseball. At least yep. at least the top three are, are unreal right now. With Colorado, Arizona, and uh, L.A., the Dodgers are playing really well after since April, since May 1st, pretty much. They've been maybe the best team in baseball other than uh, Houston. Yeah. So that's something to watch. The other thing is we've touched on this, I think, every podcast so far, is that the two favorites coming into the year in each league are still scuttling along around 500 in, in the Indians and the Cubs. And we're getting to the point where it's like, is this who they are this year? And, and are they going to be able to break out? Or, or I think more so for the Indians, the answer is leaning towards yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which, you know, which is hurts for me because I, you know, I, I thought the Indians, I, I picked them. I thought they were definitely at least getting to the conference, um, to the ALCS. But their pitching really hasn't rounded into shape. Kluber's been on the DL. They've had a ton of injuries on the pitching side. And the hitting's just dropped off significantly. So, you know, when you add those two things in, it's it's not a good recipe. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. But but like you said, with, with Kluber on the DL, at least gives him some outs where you could see him getting hot. And then they have some of that uh, track record where uh, – um, Salazar or Carrasco can can get hot and and really pitch him back into this thing. So not giving up on them yet. I'm not giving up. Especially because the division is a tire fire. Yeah, yeah. Which leads me to my other point. We talked last time about how Toronto might be an interesting bet along the All Star break mm-hmm. to get into this thing, maybe win the division or or even even win the pennant. Yeah. Uh, I think the other team to look out for is maybe Kansas City. Which yeah. they're they're pretty shitty right now, but they started they they started off horribly, just like Toronto. They're playing better now, and they still got a lot of pieces. I mean, Duffy's a good pitcher. Vargas is pitching really well, and they still got some of those core hitters that started off horribly in Hosmer, Mustakis, uh, Perez, Kane. So they still got some of those World Series guys that if they get high, you never know, especially in that shitty division. And if they make the playoffs, that speed might uh, turn some heads again. Yeah, but I'm shaking my head no here. The the Royals don't have it. They they don't have the firepower on offense. They've been playing better. They just but they they really don't have the firepower on offense anymore. Um, on on in terms of their pitching, Duffy hasn't been the same pitcher this year. He he could get better. But he, Duffy through until two weeks ago, he had a two point five year right. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at his, he's he's been good, but he hasn't been great. And I feel like mm-hmm. he has, pretty sure two point five is pretty good. ERA right now is three point five four. He's four four and four record. He's been he's been good, but I mean, not, nothing great. Um, and and besides him, I mean, Vargas has pitched really well. So you do have those two, but they have a lot of question marks after that. And they have a really good bullpen. But I don't know. I'm not in love with this team. I, I don't think their offense is really clicking. They, their their offense was really shitty. It's bounced back a little bit, but I think it's more of a fluke. Um, so, I, mean, I don't know what you can say. I, I, I like to think all these guys with such big track records that I think it's more of a fluke that they're hitting so shittily. Like no, a, like, they're, like they're a Hosmer, not, not a, like a Perez, and like a Kane. Yeah, I mean, they're... They they're, start off in, like, historic slumps. That's true, but, I mean, and they're, they're solid players, but these aren't, like... They're not like big mashers. They're more just like they're they're really good average guys, you know. And th- that definitely is a good recipe for October. Um, but it's really like the bottom of the lineup that I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. They they could make a run, and they're definitely a lot better than they than they were playing. 
Uh, I'm just I'm just not seeing it because especially because of the starting pitching. Yeah, so. but but in terms of kind of trying to look out for something where it's a team under the radar, you're looking for a good yeah. odds bet. You got to look at the teams that are in the shitty divisions because you can't take anyone in the West. That's over. You can't take anyone in the NL East. That's over. Well, you could take so. you, well, you could take wild cards. So I mean, you, there's still that. Okay, but, but yeah, in terms of to win the division. There, there's there's not much there, and I think you look at the AL East, the AL Central, and uh, yeah, that that's that's and uh, maybe the NL Central. Yeah, Nationals still been cruising along. Uh, the Brewers still up a half game on the Cubs. That's the Central Division. In the NL is pretty shitty too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So may, maybe you do target a. Cardinals or something to come back and win the division. It's it's that yeah. that I don't love. I like the Royals more there, but they're still only four and a half back, and, and that that division's pretty horrible. Nah, in the NL, I don't. I mean, really... the Cubs are probably gonna end up winning that division, but nah, I don't know. I don't really see a ton of value anywhere. One of the only, I mean, the Tigers, I think, are potentially they're only two games back. They're one game under five hundred, so maybe if you can get some value on them, if you like them, but Cleveland's right in there with them. Um, so I mean, it depends. I guess it always depends on the value. But Detroit, Detroit's been really hot. Their offense has been scoring at an absurd pace recently. So they've just gotten JD Martinez back, who's on an absolute tear. He set the Tigers franchise record for most home runs to start of a season because he started a season late because he was injured. So since he's been back, he's just been absolutely mashing. Miggy's been on a great pace over the last month or so. Um, Alex Avila has been the hottest catcher in baseball. So they have a really, really good thing going right now. But do they have the staff? Um, yeah, the, the staff is a question mark. They have a couple talented guys. Um, Verlander's been he's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the, you know we'll we'll see. They they would need to get another starter. You know, I, I don't love it, but it's not it's not a bad play. Yeah, and and Aaron Judge still mashing. My boy, the Judge still going. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this round of the Ball Island podcast. Yeah, check out our new website, all new design, and uh, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll, we'll be coming with a little NBA draft. We got we got the Belmont. A lot, lot of NBA drafts coming. I, you know, I think this is one of the most interesting ones like we've been talking about. So we'll have some articles out on that. Have a couple more on, on LeBron's legacy, where this finals kind of changes the NBA landscape. And always we'll, we'll keep you informed on the baseball front. But uh, besides that, let's go Predators. Until next time. Peace. <laughs>